0: You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. How many were getting some uh, healing or feeling some freedom in worship today? Let me see your hand. Yeah, good. I could feel it too. I needed it. I don't know about you guys, I needed that. I needed that big time. Ah, uh, yeah. There's going to be some more breakthrough in the room, okay? Um, we've been in this series on Mythbusters and been working on it. I've got all kinds of things to say about it. Last week, we did something different. I felt like God was totally on that. This week was probably one of the most difficult weeks of my life emotionally that I've had in years. It was just very, very challenging, just working through stuff internally, and it was a challenge, it was just, yeah, you guys ever have anything like that happen where it's just like, this is not good, (laughs) you know what I mean, like on the inside, you like feel like you're dying, think you might die and afraid you won't. (laughs) It was, I don't mean to be a downer, I'm just saying it was a difficult week, but I really felt like coming into this week uh, that I needed to circle around and find some anchors, for myself. And, and I found some. So I'm going to talk this morning. I'm glad you're in the room, but I'm talking to myself. Okay. And I'm praying that there's just going to be a exponential amount of breakthrough in my life and your life and everybody who needs it. But I want to talk about what it means to really live free. And, and as you guys know, Satan sucks. but aren't you glad that he's a defeated foe? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about Satan and his presence in the garden before man fell, what kind of power did he have? He didn't have any. All he had was lies, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. All he had was lies. That was his power. Satan does not have power unless we give it to him. So I'm circling back around. I'm finding some things that I've spoken on before, and I just grabbed them this week. I was holding on to them saying, okay, these are my anchors. I've got anchors right now. So I'm going to give you this morning some anchors for living free. And I have to hold on to them. We all have to hold on to them and come back to them because if we're going to live consistently in the grace of God, And move into our destiny and into our future, we have to have anchor points. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's real easy to have these things get pulled up sometimes when we find ourselves floating. And I don't want to float. I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. I want to see the church become the bride that she's supposed to be. And so I want to talk about that. We need to believe, number one, in our own salvation. Can we just start with that one? We need to believe in our own salvation. How many people in here are saved? If you didn't raise your hand, you can be before you leave. (laughs) We need to believe in our own salvation. I do believe it's possible to silence the voices of this earth if we could simply believe in our own salvation. If we could have that as an anchor point to hold on to that I am saved. Jesus says no one can take you out of my hand, right? That's a good anchor to hold on to. But the minute we don't believe in that anymore, we set ourselves up. It's almost like we move out from under the umbrella of believing in God out here, and we allow ourselves to be attacked by lies. We allow ourselves to be attacked by the circumstances of life. And when we're not anchored, it makes it really easy to drift. So I have to ask you this question this morning. How safe do you think you are? How safe do you think you are? I'm just going to run into it because we don't have a lot of time here. Here are some anchors to fully believing in your salvation. Are you ready? Number one. At salvation, you didn't lose the ability to sin. You lost the ability to enjoy it. Come on. Are you with me? You didn't lose the ability to sin. You lost the ability to enjoy it. In other words, you can no longer be a professional. I had a... uh, I was having a conversation with someone this week about just musicianship and being paid to be a musician and all that, and I remember being in Nashville years ago, and I was still in school, but I was getting some gigs. I was starting to play out in a few places, and I was playing with this session drummer who is just a beast of a drum player, and I was doing a few gigs with him, and after about the third one, he asked me, he goes, how does it feel to be a professional? And I was like, what do you mean? How do you know when you're a professional musician? I mean, what skill level do you have to be at in order to be a professional? He goes, you're a professional when you get paid for it. And I'm thinking about that in the context of this. We didn't lose our ability to sin. We just, or we, we lost, we didn't lose our ability to sin. We lost our ability to enjoy it or to be a professional at it. Before Jesus, if there was sin, there was payment. Meaning we were professionals. But because of the work of the cross, I'm no longer a professional. I'm not paid. Come on, is that, I'm hoping this is going to set you free this morning. Okay, okay, they're for me, if they're not for anybody else. I just, I'm looking at this going, my, my, when, if I mess up, and I do it all the time, if I mess up, it's not changing my standing with him. At all. It's not even remotely changing my standing with him. Sin has consequences. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying sin is okay. It has its consequences and it will cost us in this life. But what I'm saying is it doesn't, I didn't lose the ability to do it. I just lost the ability to enjoy it and be a professional at it. Colossians 2.11 says this. Through our union with him, we have experienced a circumcision of the heart. All of the guilt... And the power of sin has been cut away and now is extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Come on. That's a good word. That's a really good word. It's been circumcised off of us. I don't want to go into the graphic nature of that. You can talk to your friends about it. I'm just simply saying there is an actual cutting away that happened that removed it completely. And I thank God through Jesus Christ that it is not my job to do that. It was absolutely his, and he did it. a good word, Andrew. We're so forgiven, so much forgiven, that God's nature has been installed inside of me and in my account that what I have now to give is absolutely all of heaven. Come on, isn't this good? I think as humanity, we spend a lot of time focusing on what we've done wrong and what's wrong with us. Come on, if I'm being honest, if you're being honest, would we say that? If you actually were to take a a pad and paper throughout the course of a week and write down how many times your mind is thinking about what's wrong with you or what's wrong with the world around you, I wonder how lopsided it would be in comparison to what what we think about that God has deposited inside of us. I don't know that they would come out equal. I know in my life it doesn't. But I need these anchors. I need something to come back to. I didn't lose my ability to sin. I did lose my ability to enjoy it. Number two, when God writes your story into his record, are you ready? He only records what is done in repentance and faith. It's true. It's true. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read this one to you. Hebrews chapter 11. This is called the hall of faith chapter, right? where the writer of Hebrews is talking about faith, and he gives the account of people in the past who have walked through and have been counted as people of faith. And it gets to this story about Sarah. You guys remember Abraham and Sarah? It says this about her. Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise, and she tapped into his faithfulness. Come on. Go back to Genesis and read the story. That is not what happened. Are we going to be honest? I mean, we love that. Ooh, that sounds great. Sarah, read the story in Genesis 12 about Sarah. She laughed at God. She didn't believe. But when we get into the new covenant, what does God remember about her? Because God only remembers and records what's done in repentance and faith. Come on. I need this, man. I I spend too much time thinking about things that God doesn't even remember. Hold fast your confession of faith. I think we spend a lot of time holding on to what is bad, holding on to what is wrong, holding on to the things that are broken. Now, I'm not saying we need to live in denial. I hope you're hearing me this morning. There's a lot of places in my own life I've lived in denial for a long time. And I'm looking at stuff and I'm going, God, I don't want to remain the same person that I am. I want to be better. I really do. But we spend a lot of time dwelling on those things. And I have never found anybody guilted or shamed into righteousness. I've never seen it happen. Have you? You ever seen anybody guilted or shamed into a place of righteousness and wholeness? I don't think it works. I'm so thankful that all he remembers is what's done in faith and repentance. Once the blood cleanses, listen, has the blood cleansed us? Right? This is different from Old Covenant. Old Covenant, the blood covered. In the New Covenant, the blood cleanses. That's a good word. The Old Covenant, the blood covered. In the New Covenant, the blood cleanses. And so whatever the blood cleanses is illegal to revisit without Jesus being present. If I think about my past without the presence of Jesus being right there, it's illegal. Are you with me? Yep. Okay. If I revisit the past without Jesus being present, it's illegal. Right. A lot of healing can come from that. Did you know that? Yes. If you put Jesus right in the middle of your trauma, yep. yes. then a lot of healing can come from that. I learned this a number of years ago. It was shocking to me. But he is the ever-present help, right? Is he always there? He's omnipresent, right? He's always there. Just think about this with me for a moment. If he's always there and has been there every single moment, then I can visit my past. But if I visit without him, it's illegal. Because I'm joined in union with him. So my, I can't trust my memory but if I go back and visit the past with him present and ask him in the moment, what did you think about that right there? Right. All of a sudden, I get a fresh perspective. Yes. Nice. Is this helpful? Yes. Good. I start getting his perspective on trauma from the past. It's amazing to me when I've done that, that I have found Jesus standing there and he's not turning his face away like he can't look at it. He's standing right there looking at it. And all we have to do is pause in a moment and say, Jesus, what do you think about that thing right there? How do you feel about it? What are your thoughts on this thing right here? And all of a sudden, I find a new perspective. I find a new lease on it. And I start to recognize that there are things in life that can shape me, but they don't have to own me. There are things that I go through, the things that I can experience in my life and in my past that will determine to some level who I am in the future. But I don't have to be marked in pain by that the rest of my life number of years ago, a number of years ago now, I should say a number of a number of years ago now, it was back in 93, my wife and I had moved to Nashville, I started school, and I'm kind of a handyman kind of guy, I can fix a lot of different things. And something on my truck broke, so I got the part, and I went out into the parking lot of this apartment complex, trying to work on this thing, and I didn't have the right tool, but I was trying to make it work. You guys are tool people, you know what I'm talking about, right? The right tool is everything. I didn't have the right tool. I'm trying to make it work, and I'm pushing on this wrench trying to make this bolt break free, and all of a sudden it breaks free, and my hand goes slamming down into another piece on the car, and it, it scarred my hand across here, and that hurt like the dickens. I mean, it hurt. I think I had a few choice words to say, but that hurt, and it hurt for a long time. It not only cut me, it bruised me really bad. Now, I can still see the scar on my hand right there, but it doesn't hurt anymore. I think that's something like what Jesus does when he comes into the middle of our pain and stuff, that we can have a remembrance of something, but we can touch it, and it doesn't hurt anymore. That's how I want to live. I want to live like that to where I can get touched. Something can touch something that's very painful, but at the same time, I know I've been healed so much that it's like, yeah, I remember when that was. I know where I was. I know what time it was. I could feel the weather around it. It was a painful event. But I know because of the person of Jesus, and I got his perspective on it, that I can touch it. Somebody else can touch it, and it doesn't hurt anymore. Come on, anybody with me? I, I need anchors like this to hold on to. I, I, know, I need that inside. To know that I can't revisit my past without him. And every time without exception, I visit my past without him. It's painful and it hurts. I'm going to challenge you with it, church. Listen, how many in here want to be just more healthy? Yeah, I do too. I really do. I don't think it comes passively, though. I really don't. I think there is an aggressive attack towards the very things that hinder us from walking in fullness. And I think that when you talk about the anger and the wrath of God, I think that's what it's directed at. I don't think it's directed at sin anymore because he took care of that. He's angered at the things that keep us from walking in fullness and wholeness. Think about that as a parent. How many here are parents? You have children. Wouldn't it bother you if you had children who were walking in a disability of something that hurt them and they kept walking in it? Wouldn't it anger you because of what happened and you want to see them walk in wholeness? Now, if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts to my kids, how much more will Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Yeah. To revisit the past apart from the blood of Jesus is to open oneself up to a spirit of deception. Why? Because it doesn't exist anymore. Not, not what he thinks about it. It doesn't exist anymore. How about this one? Your past can separate you from your awareness of the love of God. It can separate you from your awareness of the love of God. We know that Romans tells us that we can't be separated from the love of God, but we know that if we visit it without him, it will. It will. Bring an awareness of separation from God, but there is no such thing. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Let me give you another one here. He removes the sin and the sin nature from where it came. Now, these are just bullet points. I don't know about you guys. You might want to take pictures of this, write this down. Just something to hold on to because I'm serious. Right now, I'm holding on to these things. I just have to look at it and read it out loud and go, okay, that's good. If If I can't get deep revelation from God right now, I can hold on to this thing right here. He removes the sin and the nature from where it came. He changed you and I at the very core of our being. There's there's something about truths like this. I I don't know exactly how it works, and I may mess this up a little bit, but think about this with me for a moment. Do you remember when Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God? Do you remember that? What followed that? Jesus says, ooh. (laughs) You saw that too, right? Okay. All right. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I call you Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. There's something about holding on to truth. It's like when we begin to declare and say what God is saying, when we begin to call him for who he is, he begins to call us for who we are. Right. You're the Christ. You're the rock. Oh <laughs> Can you say that again? Yes. <laughs> when we begin to declare who he is, he begins to declare who we are. You're the Christ. You're the rock. Now, I don't know how it works with these kind of things. I don't know fully how it works. I know that something moves inside of me. I'm having a hard time communicating this. There's a difference between a truth that is held in our head and a truth that is held in our heart. And one that's held in my head gets pulled away really easy. Because there's lies entering in. There's just the prince of the power of this air, the ruler of this world. We're under, the whole, we're under the sway of the evil one all the time. And it's not because he has power, because he's been defeated, but he, but he lies. He lies all the time. And how many of you know that sometimes a thought in your head isn't necessarily your thought? Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. yeah. It isn't always your thought that you're having. It's a simpatico thing that starts to line up with the demonic. And we start to think something and we think that it's our thought and it's not our thought. It's actually channeling the demonic. In and in a truth in the head has no resilience against a lie in the heart. And if I let the lie start taking root down in my heart, the truth that I have in my head, it has no resilience against it. That truth has to make that transfer from here to here. That's why David says, your word I've hidden in my heart, not in my head. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we all have times where there are things that we have, they're hidden in our heads. sometimes they're in our heart, but you reach points in life where it becomes very, very, very difficult. It becomes very difficult to operate. It becomes very difficult to even pull on one little thing and go, where's the truth? Where's the truth? Come on, do I have anybody in a room with me here? You run into those difficulties. It's, it's okay. It really is Okay. It's just part of the process of us learning and understanding that God's still working in us and through us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's wanting something greater to come out of us. And, And we bypass maturity. We bypass the growth in God if we don't be honest about that and say, okay, it sucks. Life sucks right now. I'm not saying we live there. And again, I'm not saying you live in a place of denial, but we definitely have to deny it a place of influence. God called Gideon a mighty man of valor before he did anything. But it took him a long, long time to come into that revelation of who he really was. You remember when he said that? God told him that? He was, Gideon was in fear. He was hiding, threshing wheat in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites. And an angel shows up to him, and the first thing he says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Now, I don't know about you, if God shows up and says something to to me like that, when I'm in the middle of of fear, I'm looking around to see who he's talking to. It took a process, even with Gideon, to walk that out. Even when God would say, here's what I want you to do, he would just, no, I want you to do, I want to try this. God shows up and does this crazy stuff around him. He goes and gets a sacrifice, gives it to him. Angel touches the rock, touches the sacrifice, (laughs) up in flames. It's gone like that. What does he do? I don't know about you. Now, I say this because I wasn't there, but, I mean, if something like that happened to me in real life, I'd be like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Gideon goes, yeah, I want to put a fleece out. And see, if this thing is dry in the morning and the ground is wet, then I'll know that it's you. And you know the story. And then he does it. And then he flips it again. It says, okay, this time I want it to be dry and the ground to be wet. All that stuff. It's okay. It really is okay. I don't want to pick on Gideon for that. Because we're all in a process of discovering what God has called us to be. And oftentimes it's too easy to see the difficult thing in front of us and say, I can't be that because look at this right here. Instead of just simply embracing it and go, okay, I'm going to keep walking here. Anybody want to just keep walking with me? You want to keep walking and just saying, I'm going to keep going. These things are difficult. They're hard. These challenges we face. But the only way you lose is if you quit. It's the only way you can lose. God has stacked the deck. You win. Read the end of the book. You win. You and I win. We come out absolutely victorious. It's staying in the game. It's staying in the process. Here's another one. This is the last one I want to give you. The enemy attacks God's word and identity first. Always. You want some clues into how the enemy works? How many, you, you guys know that. If you like, if you like military stuff at all, but one of the best things in a war that one side can know is the strategy of the other side, right? If you know that, boy, it's, that's, that's a game changer right there. Here's one for you. Here's the strategy of the enemy. He is always going to attack the word of God and identity. Always. Always. I love Bill Johnson. He's so good at this. He did a message years ago that really broke this open for me. He said, go back to the garden and look at it. What did Satan say? The first thing he said was, did God really say? What is he attacking? The word of God did God really say? He causes us to question what God has already said. How many in here have prophetic words over your life that have to do with your destiny and your calling and your design? Let me see your hand. Come on, let me see him. I'm not, hold them up. Okay, that's a majority of people in here. That's really good. How come we're not finding it? How come we're not fully operating in it? I want to suggest that because we give in to the strategy of the devil, he comes in and he asks those questions. Did God really say that? And if he gets that question going inside of our mind, then we start to ask the question, well, well, I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't know. The second thing he's going to, going to attack is identity. You go to Adam and Eve in the garden, questions the word. You get to Jesus when he's led into the wilderness for the temptation in Luke, right? What was the temptation? Some say the temptation was, well, it was to turn the stones to bread. It was to throw yourself off the temple mount. It was, those were not the temptations. Not at all. The temptation was this, because right when Jesus was baptized, it came up out of the water, and it says of him, the spirit of the Lord landed on him in the form of a dove, and a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he goes, Spirit leads him into the wilderness, and the devil comes to tempt him. But the temptations were not in those things. The temptation was when he opened his mouth and he said, if you are the Son of God. That's the temptation right there. Why? Because he's going to question the Word of God and identity every single time. If you are the Son of God. He knew he was the Son of God, so those things that he was being asked, are you guys with me? We think the temptations in our life are to do the things that we know we're not supposed to do. I don't think that's where it is. If you watch it and follow it, anytime you find yourself in a place of temptation, it's probably because you begin to question the word of God or you begin to question who you are. Trace it back. He was tempted in every way but was without sin. Why is that? He knew who he was. He knew who he was. Is this helpful this morning? You're getting some stuff just to hold on to some anchors. Again, they're for me. If you want to borrow them, fine. Use them. Whatever you have to hold on to, just grab some anchors in life. Because it's really easy. I know how easy it is. Trust me. I know how easy it is to have an event, a circumstance, something come along, something happen in life where it's so easy to just let your mind go right? I've said it in here before and I joke about it but it's true. I'm 15 minutes away from depression at any given moment. I could go back into addiction really quick. Do you know why? I know the way there. That's a well-worn path. And if I dwell too long In a place where I'm questioning what God has said and I'm questioning who I am, I know I can go. I don't even have to work at it. I wouldn't have to work at it at all. It would be so easy to go back. When I'm standing here this morning saying to you guys, listen, these things happen. I'm hoping it's encouraging you this morning. I felt it coming out of worship this morning. I felt like it was just encouragement coming out. There's a reason why Paul says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth except that which is good for edification and for building up so that it might give grace to the hearer. How many need encouragement? I do. I'm hoping I'm encouraging you this morning. And I, there's some, It's not just about I want to make you feel good. Do you know what encouragement really is? If encouragement is words that come out of my mouth so that it gives grace to the hearer, which is what the word says, then every time I encourage you, I'm painting a target on your back, and I'm saying, God, get them. It's more than just some man giving you words that make you feel good. When I encourage you, I'm painting a spiritual target on your back, and it's saying to God, go get them. Go get them. Because grace comes. And I can't do that. I can't give that. But encouragement, it says, according to Paul, that it gives grace to the hearer. I just painted target on your back. Hopefully that's what's happening this morning. So be anchored in your identity. Settle into what God has said. Don't question what he's already said. Of who you are, and get your identity from who called you. Get your identity from who called you. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do communion. Um, I think we have people set up to do that. We're gonna have a station in the back, and then we're gonna have two stations right here. Um, I want to encourage you with this I do this often but there's something about repeating things that are incredibly important can you say amen to that whenever we come into communion I grew up with this thing like if there was something wrong in your life that you shouldn't take communion you should sit there and confess all your sins and and I used to feel so bad about communion because of that can I just tell you that's a religious lie that's an absolute lie They use passages of scripture like 2 Corinthians 11 that talk about doing this in an unworthy manner. Can I just break that myth right there? That when he talks about doing it in an unworthy manner, the whole context is him talking about people who are not giving it full worth. Who are just getting together and having some mellow yellow and ho-hos and saying they're having communion. People coming together and you're just eating. People filling up, not saving room for anybody else. They're coming together. They've turned it into this common thing. And he's saying there are people in your circles, guys, when he's writing to them, he's saying there's people who are still sick and there's people who are dying because you're not giving it full worth. Full worth has nothing to do with your sin. Full worth has to do with everything about his sacrifice. That's why he said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He's not saying do this in remembrance of all the things you've done wrong. Do it in remembrance of me. If you want your life to line up and start moving in the right direction, then what we need, especially in times like Where I am right now, where maybe you are, I don't know, where you're feeling like, man, this is really difficult. Life is really difficult. The best thing you can do, and i want to challenge you to do this. There's a prophetic move going to happen right here. When we say go, when I say go, if you really are in that place, I want to see you run up here. We don't need this stoic kind of, oh, that's kind of, come on, man. If you need it, you run to it. Because he says, don't do this in an unworthy manner. Don't treat it like it's kind of half whatever. Get up and run to it and say, God, I'm taking this, bo- this piece of bread. It's your body. It was broken for me. I'm taking this and I'm putting it in the drink. It represents your blood, this blood that was shed for me that absolutely cleanses me. Now, I'm going to take this thing. I'm going to dip it in there and I'm going to put it in my mouth. And when I do that, I want everything about your revelatory Holy Spirit to flood in and bring me back to my true identity, to who I am. Come on. Can we do that together? All right. Go. Go. All yeah. right. Yeah. everybody just to stand up i want you to stand up i want you to close your eyes and i'm gonna i'm gonna pray this and prophesy this over you okay just want you to receive this if you as much as you can just push everything else out and just receive this word it's just the word of god coming right into your soul speaking to you but you my delightfully loved friends. Constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. Fasten your hearts to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. Now to the one with enough power to prevent you from stumbling into sin and bring you faultless before his glorious presence to stand before him with ecstatic delight. To the only God, our Savior, through our Lord Jesus Christ, be endless glory and majesty, great power and authority from before He created time, now and throughout all the ages of eternity. Amen. 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 Prayer teams are going to be up here. If you need somebody to pray for you, just make your way up here. But I dismiss you and just pray the love and grace of God all over you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.